Welcome everyone to House on Fire, an Austin Oaks Church parenting podcast where we talk about all things parenting for every phase. Our desire is to help you raise the next generation of believers. And today I've got my buddy Cole with us. Cole, how you doing? I'm doing great, Lucas. Thank you. Cole, glad you're here, man. We are going to get into some foster care conversation stuff, but tell us about yourself and you and your family and all that fun stuff. Yeah, I am mid-30s, been married for seven and a half years. We have one biological kid. And we have had five foster placements over the past um, about three years. Yes. Luca is your little one. Is he three now? He is three. He's three. And I remember the first time it was in community hall. I remember it's like, I don't know how long ago, but you walked in with two twin girls that were like 16. And I was like, hey, bro, what's going on? And you're like, well, these are our foster well, I guess they're not, they weren't kids, but so let's talk about like what got you guys, you and your family into fostering. Uh, great question. I have a lot of history of adoptions in the family. Like um, as in like other people aunts. have been adopted mm-hmm. by your family? Yeah. Like my aunt was adopted. Okay. Um, I have a cousin that was adopted. Well, that's on my dad's side. And then my mom's side, we've had a handful of adoptions as well. Okay. So adoption was always something I was interested in. Um, recognized that I, you know, was given a lot more than other people. Even yeah. Before I would say I was a, was a Christian. Yeah. And wanted to kind of share that. And then early in Anna and I's marriage, uh, we went to a really, this was actually pre- FEFC, um, went to a really great sermon kind of on the adoption process and it was about being adopted by Christ and, um, it really pushed us to actually take action and get involved. Um, and throughout the idea of foster care and I had no reason against it. I was more pro adoption, but we decided to do foster care and now we've been going with that for, yeah, yeah, about three years. Was it ever like weird or did you ever like I mean, not to th- say like you thought less of the family that was adopted like into your family, but it ever seem weird or odd at all? I mean, I think like there's just a lot of taboo or just people don't necessarily know what to think when it comes to that sort of thing. And so like, what were your thoughts before? I mean, or maybe you just were like, it's just, it's all I know is normative to you guys, you know? No, I would say it, it, it was weird and it is weird every time. Yeah. Um, you never know what the kid is going to be like when when you get them you get phone call i mean we got a phone call just a couple days ago um that we said no to just because we just were kind of in like a mourning phase right now of, of losing a recent foster placement and yeah and you really do invest in these kids and and you you love them and care for them the way that you would love and care for any body that was yeah. in your home yeah. But, you know, we got the call at like, I mean, we were literally climbing into bed. Phone went off. We saw the name and we looked at each other and we we're like, eh, we'll call them in the morning. <laughs> so, like, yeah. it is weird um, yeah. every time. But, you know, there is a remarkable amount of adaptivity, adaptivity that everybody has. Yeah. And as soon as you get that kid and you start to feel each other out, um, that becomes the new normal and it takes about 10 yeah. days for you to get acclimated to some new kid. Yeah. And then 
And then to lose them, you have to get reacclimated to not having them. So it, yeah. yes, of course, there are lots of stressors that are added when you get, um, when you get involved and when you are welcoming these kids into your home. But, uh, I mean, it's certainly the joy, um, certainly outweighs any of the, any of that stress. Yeah, it's a unique thing to say. I mean, you guys have fostered more than we have. You know, my wife and I, we fostered twins, which ironically, mm-hmm. one of their brothers was with you, which I still think is crazy that that, oh my gosh, like it, it just seems crazy. Yeah. Um, and so, let I mean, you've had multiple foster kids. And so let's let's go back just a little bit. Like why, why in the world do this? Because, I mean, you know, we don't know as much as you and your fa- family about, uh, uh, know about all this but it uh it takes a toll like i mean there's you know there's a lot that go into this and uh so like why in the world would you you know want to put your family uh for good or bad through experiences that are great and also experiences that are kind of flat out crazy and terrible that you're not going to have with your own kid that's a fair question um outside of being a partial masochist um <laughs> no, I I think that you know you're as a Christian called there's three people groups that are constantly talked about as mm-hmm. being needed to to be looked after and that's going to be your poor, your widows and yeah. the orphans. Yeah. Um Anna because she's amazing, uh you know, cares for like all of these people whereas I more tend to gravitate towards kids and, and young people that yeah. uh, don't have an upbringing and things like that. And, yeah. and however, I also think that we, if we're going to be investing in the future, that's where you do it. Yeah. So um, I am failing to forget exactly what the question like, was. Well, but, but just why in the world would you guys get into this, you know? Yeah, but I think that, you know, it's going to be, obviously there's a lot of faith. Um, that's involved in it. So we've had some placements for as long as eight months. We've had yeah. placements for as short as like two months. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's it's our responsibility to, to pour into that kid just love and attention and care yeah. and then basic knowledge that um, whatever age they are, we think that they should be having. Um. And it's our responsibility to trust that that time frame is all that God needs with us and that child. Yeah. And so that's what we have to fall back on whenever we give a child back to the parents or another family member mm-hmm. is that, well, this is the time frame that we were given. And so hopefully, you know, we, we did what God wanted us to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then obviously I think that it's really great for Luca to see. Yeah. Um, I've run into a number of fam- people since fostering that were raised in a home who fostered, and they were kids, and they remember, and they talk fondly about all of these kids that came through, and and they said, of course it was hard, but they recognized from a very young age that you know they were they were given a lot more than a lot of other people were. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. What what are some of the things that you wish that you and your wife maybe would have known 
before you started to foster? And obviously you don't know what you don't know. I mean, you can read parenting books and that's great, but you really don't know what it's like to have kids until you have like, until you have your, your child, like, you know, and there's an aspect of, of knowing something's coming and living in it. Like that's just, it's just different. And so, it, you know, which is, it is what it is. That's how life is and it's fine. But what, what are some of the things that you're like, man, I really wish I would have known this before we started this process of having our first, I mean, I guess for you guys, it was, you know, twins, you know, 16 year old twins, I believe that was in your home for the first time. And so, I mean, they're, you know, it's not diaper phase and all. I mean, it's, they're pretty much adults, you know, yeah. like you got two other grown women living with you and your wife. And I think you had just, Luca was six months. Yeah. Luca was six months old. So, uh, so, you know, what are some of the things that you just wish you would have known? We, the, the program that we went through, um, I feel like did a very good job of preparing us for a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, however, I don't, I, I either don't remember or don't remember them stressing this, but, um, when you have your own child, you, you grow with that child. Mm. So all of the rules that you lay down as a, as a youngin, those rules just get extrapolated as they get older. Yeah. The problem with a child that you don't know that comes in at n- numerous different ages and may or may not have been parented up to that age. So yeah, we had 16 year olds, but there were many aspects they were older than 16 and there were a lot where they were not 16. Yeah. So, um, but also we've never had to discipline or make rules for anyone that was older than six months before in our house. (laughs) So figuring out how to come up with 16 and a half years of, of rules, um, that was really challenging. Yeah. And we stumbled a lot through that and you pay like, you know, a 16 year old will make you pay for every wrong word, mm-hmm. um, in a written rule. So, yeah. um, I would say maybe just like taking the time, like you need, you need to take the time cause you're not going to have the time when they call, they're going to call Yeah. if you do emergency placements, they're going to call and the kids are going to be there within the hour. Yeah. So you need to set things up in advance and you need to be prepared, um, I know it doesn't sound fun, but this is just one of those things. I mean, if you decide to do this, then um, this is one of those those goals that you and your spouse are going to work toward. And uh, as far as glorifying the Lord, so yeah, um, you have to put in time for that. Oh yes, yeah. And I remember. I mean, so we took you know emergency placement, and we had about five hours to prepare. But I remember. You know, we're like, hey, like, you know, they're like, hey, they're twins. I think they were 14 months old when we got them. Um, and my wife and I are like, I'm like, well, where are they going to sleep tonight? You know, like Maverick's in the, you know, in the crib. Paisley's in the bunk, you know, like maybe just a, a toddler bed at the time. And so we post on Facebook, you know, like, hey, like we got, you know, twins coming to our house tonight. Like, anybody got any pack and plays we can borrow? And, you know, people just gave us two pack and plays. And I was like, this is kind of sweet. Or maybe we had one, but we ended up getting two more or something like that. And and so, you know, because we just said no. Like, mm-hmm. you know, who's coming? And and I remember, you know, getting them and holding them for the first time, giving them bottles, putting them down. And I had left the next day for three days because uh, I was speaking at a youth event down in Laredo. And, and, I, and my wife's like, like, are you sure we should take these kids? I'm like, 
she's like, this is, you're leaving in like nine hours for three days. And I'm like, well, love, like we kind of, you know, there's never really going to be a good time for this. So we might as well just embrace what we got. And so, um, yeah, so we weren't, you know, prepared. Uh, we tried as best we could, but, uh, it was a trip, man, to say the least. Mm -hmm. And so for those who are listening that are even considering fostering, like what are some of the, just the basic and, and some of the, the steps that somebody would need to go through, you know, like obviously picking an organization. And, and so what are some of the things that it, that go into being ready and certified to even foster and to allow other kids to come into your home? Let's talk about that. Just for, and obviously every organization is going to be a little different, mm -hmm. but there's some generalities of that that are going to apply to, to any organization. Yeah. So obviously once you find that organization, they're going to run you through the, the, the meat and potatoes of what needs to get done yeah. in order for you to get your certification. And there's two certifications. You can be certified to foster or you can be certified to adopt. You can obviously be certified for both. Yeah. Um, some organizations do one and not the other. Most will do both. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest hurdle to get over is making the decision. Hmm. Um, I can't tell you how many times I hear, I've always thought about doing that. Oh my gosh. And, and at first, yeah. um, I didn't want to kind of, I, I felt like it was two to my own horn to be, to say like, yeah, well, you know, we're, we're doing it and it's great. Um, but it's not for everybody, but it's been three years now. And, and while I, I don't necessarily think that it, it's for everybody, yeah, I certainly think that it's. For anybody that thinks that they're interested in doing it, um, you know, there's there's a lot of these really crazy um, statistics or made-up statistics out there. So who knows how truthful this is, but I'll share it anyway because this is kind of one of the things that got us um, to act. But what we had heard in that sermon was we were living in Austin and it was the, the pastor said, do you know how many children are eligible for adoption in the city of Austin or in Travis County? Yeah. <clears throat> and, and obviously no one responds because it's a rhetorical question. Yeah. And he says a hundred and whatever, 85 kids. He goes, do you know how many people go to an Austin stone service? We were mid twenties. So we were still cool and hip and going to Austin stone. <laughs> um, he said, do you know how many people go to an Austin Stone service on a Sunday? They had three campuses and five services. He said, somewhere around 17,000 people. He goes, you mean to tell me there's not 185 families out there? Yeah. That can adopt this kid and end this? And like, man, if, you, if you've ever thought about it before, that's one of the things that makes you get up and say, yeah, yeah, I can, I can at least take off one of those. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I would agree it honestly, you know, when we were through the pro and I've kind of always been a person that like, I'm pretty transparent. Like I pretty much like everybody what's going on in my life just cause I'm just wired that way. But we, I got to a point where I stopped telling people that we were fostering or that we were, I'm like, Hey, we're in the middle of preparing for this. Like, you know, we're doing the training and getting the, um, the fire inspection, the health inspection, all the paperwork that you have to, you know, all the fingerprint, we were in the middle of all that, you know, and we're maybe halfway through. And it was just, 
so, so many people have said the same thing. Oh, we've been wanting to do that too. And I don't know if it's like people just don't know what to say in response to, you know, so they're trying to relate in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, I even had somebody in my life when I said, Hey, yeah, we're, you know, we're, we're like, we're ready to foster. Like we're done and certified and we're just waiting for the call. And like, Oh, that's really cool. And then they continued to talk about how they were going to foster a dog that weekend. <laughs> and it actually, it infuriated me. I was like, you're comparing like somebody created the image of, of God to a stupid dog. And now I think dogs are great. Animals are awesome. If you want to, that's fine. But these two are not on the same field. Like mm-hmm. biblically speaking, in the eyes of the Lord, humanity matter way more than stinking animals. Like, and it infuriated me. And I even had a coworker that like basically flat out told me I should not foster because of what I do. And, you know, and a youth pastor and you're out a lot and all that. And, and, and so I, I, I get it. And it actually, so I just quit telling people because the people who related it to like fostering animals or, Oh, we've been wanting to do that. And I'm like, okay, then why aren't you? And they're like, well, but you know, and there's always an excuse. And I'm like, okay, well that's like, I mean, you can, you know, it's okay to say that you're just, never going to do this. Like, it's fine. Like, this is not a comparison game here. Like, um, but we just, we just got to the point where then people would say like, like, well, do you know that like, like they're troubled kids? I'm like, I think, do you think we just woke up yesterday and thought this was a good idea? Like, do you think we're doing this to bring happiness to our lives? Like this is, I'm like, yes, I know that like the average kid has trauma in their life. And I'm like, so it's almost like everybody that we talked to, that I talked to about this, either said they were going to do it or they haven't done it yet, compared it to fostering animals, or told us all the bad stuff about it. And I literally became a jerk about it. Eventually I said, do you foster kids? Oh, you don't? So could you please give me like some accurate information like that you legitimately know that you didn't just read out of it? Like I kind of became a turd about it because it ticked me off. I'm like... Like, are you just going to tell everybody that you know that is is in the middle of this and they're about to embrace on this journey and you're just going to give them like, oh, that's a bad idea. There's a lot of troubled kids. I'm like, like, that's all you got to offer? Like, anyway. I've had had a, yeah, I've I've run the gamut on responses. Um, I had one colleague shortly before we got the official go-ahead that – Ask me, and and in all sincerity, and I don't mean this as like a jab at her. This is just like how people think. Foster care has a certain stigma attached to it. For sure. And in some cases, rightfully so. In most cases, absolutely incorrect. Yeah. But the question was, is there any part of you that worries that like you're going to get a child (laughs) that like kills you in your sleep? (laughs) I said, I mean, that's a possibility. And in, in the realm of fostering, that is... That's not an out there question. I mean, to an extent. I mean, it really. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was funny. I also, but you know, I kind of actually found that I went the other way. I, I shied away from sharing that I was fostering for a Mm. while. Yeah. And now that I've been in it for a number of years, um, I've, I found that I'm very much an advocate and I very much, um, try and bring it up at every opportunity that I can, because yeah. if I can get, if I can convince or just plant the seed in one person's mind, similar to, you know, sharing the gospel, yeah. if I can just tell one person something that yeah. makes them go Google something mm-hmm. that leads them to foster one child, then like, 
what a difference that has made. Absolutely, man. Um, and, and yeah, and I encourage people at, and at work, I will talk to people. And obviously when you meet new, I'm in sales, so I meet lots of new people all the time. Yeah. And one of the questions is always, you know, well, you have a family, what's your family? What's the family makeup? Blah, blah, blah. And I always say, well, I've got one biological child. And then they say, okay. And what else? I was like, well, we do, and we do foster care. So we always have, I don't know, like usually like one, yeah. sometimes two other kids in the house. Yeah. And then we have a little conversation about foster care, which, you know, usually is like, oh, I've always thought about doing that. Yeah. But I'm always like, look, this is a work meeting, but I would love to get lunch and just talk about foster care. Like yeah. that's its own conversation yeah. and it should be its own conversation. And, and I would love to like make it real. And I will, I will make a weird plug, but, um, you know, there was a Mark Wahlberg movie not long ago called Instant Family. Oh, yes. That, um, it's good. I mean, it's an entertaining movie, but yeah. I mean, they captured foster care very well. Oh, yes, they did. And yes, they did. There were some scenes that, I mean, like I was just like on the verge of tears, just like, this is just so true. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that. Is a good, I don't know, maybe resource for people who are like, I don't know, I might be interested. Watch this movie. Have a good two hours. Yeah. And then, you know, reach out to Lucas and either he or I can talk to you. We'd love to. Yeah. And so, you know, when we started the journey, you know, we tried to figure out what organization we're going to go with. And we ended up with Peachaz, Presbyterian Children's Home and Services, primarily because it was a Christ-centered organization in Southwest Austin. So it was like crazy close. Like I didn't want to drive up to Georgetown which is like driving to Canada, you know, so with traffic in Austin. But remind me of the organization that you guys chose. So we went with Helping Hand Home. That's right. Which is is not a Christian organization, um, though what you very quickly find and, and what we found rewarding was there are, I'm going to super generalize this, and if Anna listens to this, <laughs> she'll get really mad at me. We'll, but we'll make sure she does. <laughs> there were roughly two groups of people that were there. There were Christians because Christians are generally the types of people that get oh, involved yeah. in stuff like this. Yep. And there were same sex couples. Mm. And so it was really great for us, um, to, to walk that path along these couples and, and, you know, get to know people that maybe we wouldn't know or have any sort of relationship with, yeah. um, outside of this. And, um, and then it, it also opened up a lot of doors. You know, one of the things that there's ongoing trainings. Yeah. And one of the things I remember hearing was um, there was a couple of families talking about, you know, needing support. And they said, well, the only problem is that the only support you can get all comes from churches. <laughs> Isn't there just like a, a non-religious support group for foster care? Yeah. And like and on the inside, I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, no. <There's> <laughs> like, yeah. Like, there's a reason that the church is involved in this. Absolutely. There's a reason that the church is at the tip of the spear. And and I hope that you recognize that at some point. Yeah. And so that was really rewarding. And yeah, I mean, a lot of doors got opened um, relationship-wise, I think. Yeah. They also, I mean, they're really, really great at, at just supporting their families from what we've found over the past couple of years. Yeah. No, Absolutely. What are, um, you know, what would be some just, you know, wisdom that you would give, you know, some parents or others who are considering, 
you know, and maybe just starting this thought process of like, this is something we're interested in. Like, what, what would you say to a family that, that were to come up to, Hey Cole, we know you foster man. Like just give us some, some wisdom, man, just to help us along this journey. The first thing that I would do is talk to someone, you know, or someone that you trust. So, um, that's been there. Yeah. So if you know, Lucas call Lucas, if you don't call Lucas, um, <laughs> he can get you in touch with someone that you know, or I would reach out to one of these organizations directly. Um, Helping Hand Home was, was, I mean, they were as as blunt as a two by four to the forehead (laughs) explaining to you, like, we don't want you to get into this if you're not set on getting into this because it is not good for kids to go into a home that's not ready, that's not dedicated. And then they're there for a week and then, the family throws their arms up in the air and says, I can't do it. Yeah. So um, most of these organizations will be blunt and they will give you the facts. They'll also encourage you. But if you're honest with them and say, look, these are my hesitations, they'll either say those aren't good hesitations or yeah. they'll say that's valid. Um, Anna and I began our training um, before we were pregnant found out we were pregnant and our organization refused to let us um, refuse to give us a placement until at least three months into our child's life. Wow. Cause they said there are so many people that get their kid and yeah. then decide that they don't want to do it anymore. They have yeah. their kid, they're overwhelmed, yada, yada, yada. And so they were like, it's not nothing against you. I mean, we don't know you. We like you fine. Yeah. But this, these are the statistics. Yeah. And so they didn't let us, have a placement um but you know whatever i guess we we did the time and then we called them and we're like yeah. all right send us two 16 year old girls <laughs> like this week would be great yeah yeah no that's good yeah and i you know um a, a, a thing that i would highly encourage especially for married couples is to you know, you and your spouse need to be on the same page, you know, and it was hard for me, you know, in our experience, we had two twin girls and they were, you know, 14 months old and, you know, they were really pretty good when I was around, um, because they feared men because of the men in their lives, you know, had, you know, had put the fear of God in them at, you know, 14 months old. And so when I come home, you know, cause I leave every day to work and, you know, my wife's like, man, it was a really hard day. And I'm kind of like, what are you talking about? Like, they're not that bad. And then I, you know, we get farther into this and I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, so at 14 months old, these twin girls realize that I'm going to fear men because like, they're going to beat me and women have no authority because the women in these, these kids lives didn't have any. And you know, there was nothing that they could do. And it was just, it was pretty eye opening for me to see that at, at their young age, that this experience had caused, like it burned in their minds, men I'm fearful of and women don't have authority. Um, and so it was in many ways, uh, hard for my wife and I to be on the same page. Cause I'm like, what are you talking about? It's not that bad. And she's like, you better, you need to be around. And, you know, and, um, so I would, I would encourage parents to be on the same page as best they can in preparation for it. And we, t- I mean, we talked a ton about it through our process. You know, I did with you at least. And, mm-hmm. um, 
and it makes it hard. Yeah, and that's a good, I didn't even go back that far when I was thinking, but you're right. Before you talk to anybody, you need to talk to the people in in your home with you. Yeah. Um, you know, our every conversation is going to be different, but, you know, um, my wife had decided that she was going to be at home for the first year of our child's life. So yeah. um, I kind of deferred to her on many of the decision processes. I, w- I mean, we would read the case files together, obviously. Um, and I was kind of the first filter. But yeah. then Anna was the decision maker because she was the one that was going to be at home. Yeah. And she was the one that was going to be, I mean, right, we got 16-year-olds. So she did most of the like driving to school, driving yeah. to work, and driving to wherever. Whereas I went... My life didn't change a whole lot. Yeah, I went sure. to work and I came home. <laughs> yeah. So um, every conversation is a little different, but that's a great point, Lucas. Before you talk to anybody, you need to make sure that it's a household decision and not just one person's. Yeah, you know, and you know, and for us, you know, I'm a little more on the ah, the Lord will work it all out. Let's just kind of jump in the deep end. And uh, I mean, if I mean, if we got a call every day to take in twins, I would have said yes until we had 15 kids running around and then my wife would probably would have left me at that point and either said the kids got to go or I'm going to go, which wouldn't be a terrible thing for her to say if I were to put my family, you know? And so it's, it's, I can't stress enough how important it is, but it was really fun to see, you know, Paisley was, was four, uh, almost five at the time. And she became this mother hen. It was awesome to see. Um, and she's our oldest, but you know, my son Maverick, he was used to getting all the attention and he, kind of was pushed on the back burner you know um because it's like bro like you're fine like play with your toys you're good and because there's you know two other kids who are screaming that need food and you know and so it 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 did change our dynamics a lot and my wife and i talked a lot about like you know what like what is this going to do to our kids and i'm like well it's i mean it's it's going to affect us all um but it's not a it's not a bad thing like, I mean, our kids have more than what they ever need. Like they've got two parents that love the heck out of them. Like they're fine. Like at, at the end of the day that what our kids are going to go through with having foster kids in our home is nothing in compared to what those foster kids have gone through. And that's that every, you know, foster kid is, you know, been beaten and abused or sexually abused, you know, all that stuff. But, you know, mo- most of them have gone through things that, you know, I wouldn't wish I'm on my enemy. Absolutely. And, and so, um, well, uh, Cole, any, any, uh, last words or encouragement that you would give to folks who are, um, you know, wanting to be on this journey or just learn more about foster care? Do something. Don't <laughs> quit thinking about it. Yeah. And do something. There's a lot of fam- There's a, there's a lot of kids out there and, um, you know, I, I, in this journey, I've, like I said, gotten more and more involved. I've, I've joined the Travis County yeah. board, CPS board yeah, and learned. And so like every month I get an update of what's called like CWAPs, children without placements. These are the kids that get pulled. They can't find a home for, and so they sleep in a cot in an office for some number of days until yeah. they can find somewhere to go. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, just if you're thinking about it, make make the decision, take a jump, and yeah. trust God. Yeah, no, I think that, I, I think that, uh, yeah, I there's there's enough 
uh, people, and I, I would want to call believers out specifically, who are sitting on the fence, twiddling their stinking thumbs, and and they know the Lord is asking them to do something, and they decide not to do it. And, it, and they, they pull a Jonah moment, you know, and they're like, I'm going to run for the Lord. I want to do this. I want to do this. And I'm just like, look, homie, like if the Lord's calling you to do this, you need to seek and get after it. And so, um, yeah, I, I totally agree, Cole. I'm pretty convinced the fact that the church is the answer to the world's problems because, you know, because we have the relationship with the Lord who is the answer to the world's problems. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it is cool. I, I've often, often thought about, you know, like uh, just other religions and like, okay, I, and I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I mean, and I, I should have been in foster care in so many ways. Um, looking back at, uh, that's for another story, but, um, I've thought many times like, well, like other religions and, you know, like, why am I a believer? Like if I grew up in a Hindu home, would I be Hindu or, you know, or whatever, or Catholic or whatever it would be. And, and, you know, and I've thought a lot about like, like who are the people I hear about the most who are trying to advance the kingdom of God and it's believers. Like the reason hospitals exist is because the church decided to do something about the needs around them. And the same with, with orphan care and foster care. Like the reason organizations exist um, is because of believers who have said, you know what, like we're not going to tolerate uh, people throwing kids in ditches, you know, back in the day because they don't want them anymore. And so it's, um, so if you're listening and the Lord's calling you to do some foster care, you just kind of need to get after it and stop thinking about it. Um, so I would, I would agree with you, Cole, on that one for sure, man. Uh, well, Cole, I appreciate you um, being willing to have just a, I mean, a pretty brief conversation. And there's a lot that we could say, um, and there's a lot that goes into, um, you know, fostering and adoption stuff. And uh, Lord willing, we, we'll have a few more decades of this uh, in front of us and be It'd be crazy, but fun. So, um, well, for those of you listening, thanks so much. Appreciate you guys and your desire to listen. So thanks for joining us for the House on Fire podcast. Uh, Please share this so others can be blessed by the conversation we had today. And we will see you all next time.